This is The Jerry Callahan Show. And bad news for our President Joseph Robinet Biden. Uh, the good news is the really, really dumb people are uh, still in your corner and they'll remain in your corner. They're convinced now that they uh, classified documents that they have found at three different locations so far. Uh, and that's only over the course of a couple of days in uh, in your office, paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. That's where they initially, uh, allegedly found them. You know, when you brought your lawyers in to clean things up, literally to clean things up. Uh, and then we find out uh, they were also in your garage next to your uh, Corvette, a garage in Wilmington, Delaware, a really secure place. And uh, Joe slipped up when he was asked by Peter Ducey. He said they were also in his library in his home. So we have them at at least three different locations, but uh, the people, your core supporters, that would be, you know, the ladies on the view, that would be the really, really dumb people in Congress who uh, uh, are now uh, throwing out the theory that they said that these documents were planted there. Yeah. You're being set up. That would be uh, the good news. You're not going to lose the support of Joy Behar and Whoopi or uh, Hank Johnson or any of the real dummies like AOC. She'll be behind him no matter what. Ed Markey. Uh, the bad news is uh, everybody else is, agree- is agrees on one thing here. Uh, Joe Biden is in trouble. I'm not sure if this is a setup. That's the, uh, the theory, the working theory from some of the smartest people out there think that this is all designed to end the Biden campaign in 2024. I believe it. I believe somebody, whether uh, they set him up by putting these documents there or they just um, broke the news uh, to the world that Biden was, had uh, possession of stolen classified documents. This makes all the sense in the world to me. You, as we've talked about many times, he cannot be the candidate in 2024. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I'd love to see Joe Biden as the candidate in 2024, debating whoever, debating Trump, debating uh, Ron DeSantis, hell, debating in the primaries, hitting the campaign trail. Let's, let's face it. The only reason he won in the first place is because he hid in his basement. That was the uh, strategy to hide and harvest. And it worked. He let uh, the media do the campaigning for him as he hit out and didn't uh, didn't work the campaign trail, didn't go out there do press conferences or interviews. Uh, he, he just kind of let everybody uh, do the work for him. And he ended up in the White House. And now we've had an unmitigated disaster for two years. So if you're a Democrat, if you're even someone who's literally working behind the scenes day to day, like Joe, uh, like Barack Obama or Susan Rice, if you're any of those people, you needed a way to stop Joe Biden from running in 2024. You needed him uh, to, to reconsider because they were all in fear after he had his uh, latest vacation in uh, St. Croix. He said that he was going to talk to his family about running. And then when he came back, I assume they, they thought, here, he's going to do it. He's going to announce his candidacy in 2024, and they needed a way to stop him. And they found, I mean, there was plenty of ways, there's plenty of scandals, but this was a convenient one, and I think it is going to work. I think Joe Biden is now officially a lame duck. I'm not sure how this is going to play out. I know this special counsel that was uh, announced 
yesterday by uh, Merrick Garland is is not there to put Joe Biden in jail. He's not there to lead the impeachment. He's a uh, he's a Trump hater. He's a uh, rhino Republican who used to work for Chris Ray. He was an assistant to Chris Ray, the corrupt head of the FBI. So I'm not sure the guy is determined to get to the truth, but that doesn't matter. They needed a wounded Joe Biden and they got one. If you watched yesterday, he had a pathetic response to uh, Peter Ducey, who, God bless him, jumped up and made sure he got a question. You know, that was not part of the plan to allow uh, Peter Ducey to ask a question. I think he, he took two questions and I know we played this yesterday, but we should play it again. He took two questions. One was Ducey on the, on the documents in the garage. And the next he took was how's the first lady doing? So he still had his people in the press corps who were there to, to help him. But Ducey got the first question and I, I want to play it again for, for a couple of reasons. One, the, uh, the, the response is just so pathetic. He was he was supposed to be allegedly prepared for this. In fact, he had notes and he struggled to read them, but he also opens up the door to, to, to more possibilities. He says in this response that they also, that documents were also in his library. I'm not sure if he meant in the library, in the house, in the mansion in Wilmington, or maybe they're in the other mansion or one of his other mansions, but it, it opens the possibility that there will be some kind of raid. It won't be at dawn with guns drawn the way it was at Mar-a-Lago, but there has to be a search. There has to be some uh, way that the FBI can go to these places and search for more stolen classified material. This is much worse than Mar-a-Lago. I think even, even Democrats are going to admit it at some point, because, uh, it, I mean, compare the two, compare Mar-a-Lago, which had Secret Service protection, which was a secure place where they were locked in a safe um, by a former president who had the ability to declassify them. Compare that to this, where you have a garage in Wilmington, Delaware, and we've all seen the video of him taking the Corvette out and the garage doors open and there's just stuff you could see in the background. That is not secure by any definition. And who else who had access to that garage? Well, lots of people, I'm sure. But one guy who has ties to China, Ukraine, Russia, one guy who's known to uh, have some friends in uh, for some shady friends and done some shady deals, that would be one Hunter Biden. <laughs> so if Hunter Biden has access to something, anything, then you know it's not secure. If Hunter Biden has access to it, then so do lots of other shady characters. Indeed, Hunter Biden claimed he owned this house on his uh, form to, 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 to buy a gun. This was his official residence on his driver's license, but he also claimed he owned the house. And one thing we learned, we talked about this way back when, from the laptop, was that uh, the money coming in from all these foreign deals, these dirty foreign deals, um, went to Hunter and the companies that they set up, the many, many companies. And Joe Biden expected Hunter Biden to pay his bills. He paid for all the upkeep on the homes. He paid for and this, this, there's a detailed listing of this on, on the, on the laptop where he paid for like a fence and he played for a paint job and he paid the, you know, the landscapers. That's, that's pretty revealing. 
why would Joe Biden, the former U.S. senator, a guy who was making a million bucks a year from Penn, and and that's another element to this, which uh, requires a lot of explaining why he was in an office paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. The, the Chinese sent money to Penn and Penn turned around and gave it to Joe Biden. That would be uh, that would be money laundering. Uh, but uh, uh, in the in the on the laptop, we learned that Hunter was supposed to pay for pay all the bills. I mean, Joe Biden demanded it because it was his name that was being sold uh, overseas and lots of money was coming in. So Joe said, look, you got bills to pay for his house. So not only did uh, Hunter have access, but he lived there for a while and he uh, claimed it was his residence. So I can't imagine anything more insecure than a garage in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, that uh, Hunter Biden had access to. But I want to play the, the, the exchange again. I know people have heard it. We played it yesterday. Uh, and, and we're going to get to some of the, uh, the more uh, interesting voices who came out in support of Joe Biden. And we will, uh, we will ask the question, is impeachment on the table? And I think if I'm, if I'm Joe Biden, uh, I have one thing going for me. <laughs> impeachment, uh, and it, 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 he probably wouldn't be convicted in the Senate, but you say he was. Nobody wants the, uh, the alternative, which would be President Kamala Harris. And President Kamala Harris was in rare form yesterday. So Joe Biden, uh, he appears to be on the ropes, but he has that going for him. He has the single worst vice president in American history, just a complete incompetent who could never step into the big job. If he goes, she has to go. There's no other way around it. But, uh, and we're going to get to, well, we got a great guest today, Billboard Chris. I mentioned it before. Billboard Chris is a, uh, is a uh, anti-trans activist. I would put it that way. He's, uh, he's out there doing God's work. He's, he's, he's trying to have conversations about the insanity of putting children on puberty blockers and giving children sex change surgeries He's in Boston this weekend. He's going to be appearing outside Boston Children's Hospital, which means there could be trouble because all the Antifa scum likes to show up when Billboard Chris shows up. So uh, we're looking forward to his appearance. I think he's going to be there today and tomorrow, Saturday, if you want to join him. But we'll talk to Billboard Chris in a little while, and we'll do our NFL picks for the playoffs. Ironhead's on a roll. He went uh, three and one last week. We'll see how we can do. We got six games. Is that right, Ironhead? Six games. Six games. Pick this week. And there's a couple of good ones. Brady hosting the Cowboys on Monday night is going to be huge. But uh, let's get back to this. Joe Biden, um, how shall I say, uh, awkwardly, incoherently answering the big question that Peter Ducey asked, which was, what were you thinking, Mr. President? Go ahead, play it. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. Can you hold that right there? And uh, we'll get back to, why does he do this? Why does he say this? I'll get a chance to speak on this, God willing? God willing? What, What does that even mean? I don't know why these things bother me, but... You are the president of the United States. You've been that, you've had that position for two years. Before that, you were vice president. 
you, you understand that the president is the commander in chief, right? The commander in chief, the leader of the free world, you can speak on it anytime you want. He says, I'll get a chance to speak on this God willing. What the hell does that even mean? But anyway, that's not important. Go ahead. Let's, let's, let's listen. Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. But anyway. Yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, But as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. You know that. Yes, he does. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents in my, uh, of, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas and file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden Penn, and th- this was done in the case of the Biden Penn Center, the Department of Justice was immediately, as was done, the Department of Justice was immediately uh, uh, no, notified, and uh, the lawyers arranged for the Department of Justice to take possession of the document. So right. you're going to see, we're going to see all this unfold. I'm confident. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I was watching Greg Kelly last night on Newsmax, and he makes a great point. Uh, you can do that on the app, Ironhead. Just get the Newsmax app. You can watch anytime for free. But I was watching Greg Kelly, and he makes a good point. If you're telling the truth, A, you don't have to read it, and B, do you stumble and bumble like that if you're telling the truth? It's just, I mean, the whole thing is just so shady. I mean, he knows what's going on. He knew he had he had stolen documents. He knows he probably has more. He knows what they're about. He knows what they pertain to. When he claimed the day before, or, oh, or was this the same day? I can't even keep it straight, that uh, his lawyer, yeah, it was before, the day before. I mean, he said his lawyers told him not to ask what it's about. What is that supposed to prove that he doesn't, he really doesn't know how they got there or what they're about. Who well, believes that? Well, I think it's probably because they know that if he knows what it is, he'll just say it without right. thinking. <laughs> right. And they're sitting there watching going, your library, what are you doing? <laughs> they got him in two spots. They got him in the, the Chinese funded office, the Monday money laundering operation office at uh, the, the Penn Biden center. And then they got him in a garage and he just throws out for good measure. They're also in my library. <laughs> I mean, you have to search the place. You have to search that place, Rehoboth. You have to search the office, but I mean, you have to, you have to find the other classified documents. And it was reported that they pertain to Ukraine. I, I mean, we know that the media went nuts. They went into a frenzy when they raided Trump's home, went through Melania's underwear draw, and then they made up the lie what it was about nuclear codes and then admitted quietly later, well, that wasn't really about nuclear codes. If this is about Ukraine, we need to know. We need to know why he was stealing classified documents about Ukraine at the same time period his son was making a million dollars a year, allegedly sitting on the board of a corrupt energy company. That sounds kind of relevant. That sounds kind of important. And normally I would say the cover-ups in full swing, we're not going to know. 
But then you get the sense that somebody wants to cut the legs out from under Joe Biden and stop this this incoherent dementia riddled man from running again. If that's the goal, if that's what the powers of be have in mind, then it's going to get worse before it's going to get better, before it gets better. Normally you'd say this special counsel is a joke. They're going to circle the wagons. They're not going to search him. They're not going to make a big deal out of this except if they want to hurt him, then he's in trouble. I mean, he still has some pretty important supporters out there, including the, the ladies on The View. <laughs> you know what? Uh, if, if, if they didn't say really stupid things, would we even know the show existed? I, I don't think so, but they do. So, yes, uh, yeah, yesterday when the news came out that they found more documents in other places, really insecure places like a garage, that uh, Hunter Biden had access to, you know, you're uh, desperate when you're talking about them planting. This is like, you know, the OJ defense that they planted the blood. They took his blood and planted it at the scene. It's really not uh, a serious uh, argument or a, uh, <laughs> a sensible argument, but let's listen to his, uh, his core support. That would be the brain dead ladies of the view come up with their theory, how they managed to find all these stolen documents in various places uh, and uh, get Joe Biden in a pickle. Go ahead. You know what I think? I've never Trump. seen a, a luckier person than Donald Trump. Just as we're this close well, to getting him, but you somehow know these but documents you know appear. But here's the thing. Biden is wrong to have done this. He, he was in office wrong. for well, 40 let's years. Find, no let's offense. find out what this is first. Now, again, mm. one of the things That's that gets true. me crazy is before we know, it's already been spun a specific yeah. way. <laughs> I don't want to see that. The, I want to see... Someone explain to me, A, how it's possible that after all this time, nobody yeah. knew this. Because to me, if you're missing classified information, I don't mean to laugh, but in my house, does, if stuff is missing, I know it's does missing. Does it feel like oppo research to you? Does it feel like the Republicans are behind it? It's I, not. I it did originally, but I'm sorry, sorry. but not, not now. Because one of the things, one of the things he's saying is that, you know, some of these, some of the locations where the docs may have been shipped in the transition I may see. have gotten taken and put, but still. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that is so it does it feel like opposition research uh, keep in mind there's another reason this is worse than uh, mar-a-lago is he had him for six years where were they that 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 office for the money laundering operation the the biden pen pen biden center opened up in 2018 uh he was out of office uh in 2016 or 17 and we found the documents they found the documents uh in, in the fall, just before the midterms, where Merrick Garland sat on it till after the midterms uh, as a good little partisan attack dog that he is. Um, but, he, but these documents have been out there for six years. You think uh, Republicans were just hanging on to them for, for six years? Didn't, didn't bring them out before this, not during the campaign or the first two years uh, of his uh, presidency, just now. Just after they, they, the Republicans waited till after the midterms to plant the evidence. But uh, again, the real dummies, they're, they're all in. Hank Johnson, if you don't know who he is, he's the, uh, the congressman uh, who thought that Guam would tip over and capsize because there were too many people on it. Uh, did, um, 
Maybe we could play that sound because that could be the most amazing sound in the history of uh, Congress, stupid Congress people. Will the island tip over and capsize? <laughs> well, if it did, you know what it would be? Global warming, climate change. But uh, this was, I believe this was Hillary Vaughn from Fox uh, grabbing uh, Johnson outside the uh, outside the Capitol yesterday. And he's he's running with that theory that someone planted the evidence. Go ahead. My response to it all is that alleged classified documents showing up allegedly in the possession of uh, of uh, Joseph Biden. Uh, you know, I mean, there's so much that needs to be um, investigated, and um, and that's that's what I call for is for everything to be investigated. But I'm suspicious of the timing of it. I'm I'm also aware of the fact that things can be planted on people. Pe- Places and things can be planted. Um, things things can be planted in places uh, and then discovered conveniently. That may be what has occurred here. I'm not ruling that out. <laughs> you know what? Joe Biden admits they were his, or he had possession of them, doesn't he? I mean, it's his, his lawyers stumbled across them, and I'm not sure who stumbled across the ones in the garage, but uh, I don't think. Even I don't think Biden's even implying that, you know, he doesn't know how they got there. Who put them there? Could have been the Republicans. You know what? It's only uh, it's only it's it's a short clip. Can you get Hank Johnson talking, talking about Guam? I just look at I just look at him and laugh. This this is an elected representative, a congressperson. Do you have it there? Ironhead, I sent it to you yesterday. Yep, I got it. This is a, a somebody's car. If you think your congressperson or your senator's a dummy, and and I don't, I think my congressman is 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 racist and soulless and a ghoul. That would be Ayanna Presley, <laughs> who uh, yesterday, if you missed it, she voted against investigating uh, China, the the country that unleashed a virus that killed a million Americans and sent the fentanyl in that killed one hundred seven thousand Americans last year. She doesn't want them investigated because it might uh, embolden anti. Asian hate. Got it? That's my congressperson. She is just sinister, but she's not stupid. This guy is really stupid. Go ahead, play it. This is a uh, island that at its widest level is what, 12 miles from shore to shore, and at its smallest level, uh, or smallest uh, uh, location, it's uh, <laughs> seven miles uh, uh, between one shore and the other. Is that correct? I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think Guam is a small island. Very relatively. small island and about 24 <laughs> miles, if I recall, long. So 20, 24 miles long, about seven miles wide at the <laughs> least widest uh, place on the island, and about 20, about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island, and um, I don't know how many square miles that that is. Do you happen to know? I don't have that. Uh, figure with me, sir. I can certainly supply it to you if you'd like. Yeah, my my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so 
overly populated that it will tip over and uh, and capsize. <laughs> wow. Is, a, is that a general or a, or a colonel? I mean, sitting there looking at that, it's because he was afraid we had too many troops on Guam <laughs> and it would tip over and capsize. And we didn't play the whole thing, but the end to show the general or the, the, the military officer, and he's just looking go, I, I don't think that's a problem, sir. <laughs> yeah. And he has to treat this moron with some kind of respect. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we're good. I don't think it'll tip over and I capsize. Think, I think he thinks but, islands are like rafts in the middle of the ocean or something. That's a congressman. Oh, and he gets reelected every two years. I want to do a... Uh, uh, do we have time to do KJP before we do Kamala? Because uh, I, I do want to reassure Joe Biden. He's got the support of Hank Johnson and Joy Behar still. He hasn't lost them. And he has the greatest impeachment insurance ever. If you're thinking that the Republican Congress will impeach him, and they may, and he may not get convicted in the Senate. But as soon as you talk impeachment, you have to think what happens if Joe Biden goes. Uh <laughs> Even a cognitively impaired uh, man in the throes of dementia, he's he's been a terrible president. If you think it couldn't get worse, well, think again. Kamala Harris, yesterday, not six months, eight years ago, yesterday, all the troubles in the world, we got the... The planes grounded and the southern border overrun and the president is stealing classified documents. And it's just a wild news day. And she was, I don't even know where she is. She in D.C. And what is she doing? She's going off talking about, once again, how much she loves school buses. This is yesterday. This is unbelievable. Go ahead. Let's listen. But I'm, I, among the many things, I'm excited about electric school buses. I love electric school buses. I just love them for so many reasons. Maybe because I went to school on a school bus. Raise your hand if you went to school on a school bus, right? God. What the hell? She, I know she, everybody who worked for us quit and bailed out and all the people who prepare her briefing briefs and write her speeches, they're all quit because she's just so dumb and she's lazy and she doesn't do the homework. But is she aware of her reputation? She think it's a good idea to once again talk about her, just her infatuation with school buses. And does she think people love school? I don't know who loves a school bus. A, they took you to school early in the morning and B they clock up the traffic. Now that you're a grown up, you get stuck behind school buses. You're screwed. Who looks at a school bus and says, Oh, I love that. I mean, it's like she talks about it. Like she's talking about her, you know, childhood hero, the way I would talk about Fred Lynn. To be fair though, you would would talk about Savage (laughs) Randy Savage man or whatever. Once it's macho man, Randy Savage. Yeah. That guy, that's she. Come on. You have macho man, Savage. I have Fred Lynn. She has, School buses. Macho Man Randy yeah. Savage played baseball before he was a wrestler, Jerry. She, she couldn't. She can't be president. She can't. It's not possible. She can't. She can't even be vice president, which is essentially a ceremonial position. God, she is just, that is just uncomfortable. I am telling you, I'm starting to believe all these conspiracy theories. I believe that the, uh, the people behind the throne have set Joe Biden up, and I believe Joe Biden picked this dummy 
because no one can look at her and say, yeah, time for Joe to go. Joe is good. Joe's good for the next uh, two years, two years. I'm not sure he can make it two years, but the idea of him going for four more is just laughable. And I think what you're going to see beginning yesterday and for the next few days is people bail on him. We played you yesterday the uh, sound from Ed O'Keefe, a, a former Biden fluffer who was at the Washington Post before he went to CBS and is generally considered a, a supporter of Biden, a, a Biden lickspittle. He turned. He sounded like Ducey. He sounded like a Newsmax reporter. He went right at Kareem Jean-Pierre and demanded answers. That is what is in the near future for Joe Biden, and that is a bad sign. I don't think, uh, I don't think it's going to be an easy, easy next two years for Joe Biden because – this has just begun. We're going to find more stolen documents. We're going to get uh, the Republican Congress is already vowing to look into the uh, relationship between China and uh, the Biden pen Biden thing. That's that's big. That is real big and serious. But uh, that ain't going away. That is uh, just the latest. And uh, I don't uh, I don't expect it's going to get any easier for Joe Biden or for KJP. It's going to be tough now that the media is asking real questions. All right, let's, uh, let's get to our sponsor. And then we're going to get to our friend, Billboard Chris, who is, who is here in Boston. And uh, I'm looking forward to his appearance outside Boston Children's Hospital. This is going to be big. Today's Callahan Show is sponsored by MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com, use code word Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, for huge discounts. For example, the standard MyPillow, normally $69.98, is only $19.98 with code word Jerry. MyPillow's made in the USA, comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's machine washable and dryable. It's the most comfortable pillow you'll ever sleep on. It makes a great gift. Get it now to support this show and strike back against cancel culture. As you know, Mike Lindell is constantly under attack from the cancel culture mob. By purchasing from MyPillow, not only are you helping us out, but you're joining the fight against cancel culture. MyPillow, as you know, not available in big box stores but you can get factory direct pricing if you order from MyPillow.com using code word Jerry. MyPillow.com, code word Jerry, 800-893-7406, promo code Jerry. All right, if you're not aware, I've talked about him many times. Billboard Chris is just, a, he's, a, he's a hero. He's an American hero. He's an activist. He's an advocate for kids, a fearless fighter against the insanity of uh, puberty blockers and sex change surgery for kids. He's enemy number one for the trans trans mob, which makes him a good friend to this show. Uh, hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Jerry? Excellent. Welcome to Boston. Thank you. Tell us, tell, just tell us right off the bat, what are you doing here? What are you doing in Boston? So I'm holding another protest outside Boston Children's Hospital. I had one in September. It was a roaring success. We had about 200 members of Antifa there defending the gender clinic, which tells you pretty much all you need to know about what's going on inside that gender clinic. There were about 50 amazing Boston police officers there, the bike squad, the riot squad, they were all there to keep us safe. And so I'm just coming out again to have conversations and to create awareness about what's going on inside that small little corner of the hospital. It's a great hospital, but we should not be giving children drugs which stop their bodies going into puberty. We should not be giving them the wrong sex hormones and yes, they're doing surgeries on kids. They're doing double mastectomies on girls as young as 14 years old at Boston Children's Hospital. And this is the number one ranked children's hospital in the country. 
and their doctors released videos where they said things like a little girl trying to pee standing up, playing with the wrong gender toys, or a little boy who doesn't want to get a haircut. These are all signs that your child is transgender. This is complete nonsense. There's no right way to be a girl or a boy. I, I love what you do, and I even even more. I love the way you do it. I've watched your videos where you uh, welcome conversations right there on the street, right on the sidewalk. You got your billboard, you got your uh, sandwich board, uh, but uh, you're willing to discuss to debate anything, which is not the way Antifa does it. They don't they don't want to have a conversation. They don't want to hear two sides of an issue. But do you? I guess the question everybody has when they see you out there is. Are you afraid? These are bad people. These Antifa, these are scum. We know that they don't, <laughs> they don't want to talk. You know, they want trouble. Are you afraid that there will be trouble, too much trouble in Boston tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? Uh, you're, you're talking, you're, so, you're, you're, Yeah, the protest at the hospital is tomorrow. I, I'll, I'll get there by 11 a.m. Excellent. But today I'm going to the unveiling of the Martin Luther King Jr. statue. So, I was actually going to have the protest today, but the police force called me and asked me if I could change it because they want to have all their, this, the Boston PD has a special event staff. So they're going to be tied up at this statue unveiling today and they wanted to be there for me tomorrow. So I switched the date to tomorrow, but uh, no, I'm not afraid The police do a great job and I'm not afraid anyway. Honestly, Antifa does my job for me. If they just left me alone, no one would take notice. The media wouldn't come, but they can't resist. So they come out, all the media comes out, and we end up getting millions of views. So I want to thank them very much for doing a great job. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I always, I'm always fascinated by the media reaction. Obviously, the media is on their side. They're not on your side. They're on the side of the, of the Antifa thugs. And uh, they, I believe the Boston Globe wrote about this when you came in uh, September. They lied, of course. They said that uh, uh, Boston Children's does not do surgery on minors. They would like you to think it's all benevolent and gender affirming care is all wonderful, but I believe they didn't even talk to you. Do I have that right? right? The Globe wrote all about it and had photos and put then staffers there, but didn't even uh, interview you. Is that right? That's that's right. The Globe, the Herald, whatever other media were there, none of them came to talk to me or any of the parents standing with me. So there were about ten or twelve other parents with me. Most of them were women, and most of them, Jerry, were lifelong Democrats. And you know, we got completely ignored. They wrote all the fake news. They talked to all the counter-protesters. But one good thing that happened was the next day, they published an op-ed in the Boston Globe from a woman called Lisa Seeland Davis, who's on the side of sanity on this issue. So they wrote all the fake news about me, but it did give a window of opportunity for some truth to come in the next day. And this dam holding up all this awful things that are going on. There are cracks forming in this dam and we are going to break through and truth is going to get out there. The Boston Globe, the Washington Post, the New York Times, even a San Francisco Chronicle have all written some truth about the harm that these puberty blocking drugs are causing the kids. So one day the truth is going to come out and this is all going to end and it's going to end much more quickly than anyone thinks. I I mean, I think you're winning. It's it's an amazing thing. They've seen action taken around the country, you know, in, in Tennessee, obviously at Vanderbilt, they've banned uh, uh, gender-affirming care, surgeries for kids, puberty blockers for kids in some places. It's going to be a tough thing to, to get uh, to get it to happen in Boston. I don't expect it to. But do you feel like, how long have you been doing this, and do you feel like you are winning? Yeah, definitely. I've been at this for two years and four months. And most of that time was in Canada because I wasn't allowed down into the States because of COVID. But 
at the beginning, no one knew anything about any of this. And honestly, I think last August when I released all these Boston Children's Hospital videos that they themselves produced and then deleted from their website, but not before I recorded them, that was a major turning point because it woke up all the conservative media, all the podcasters, woke everyone up to what's actually going on in these gender clinics because it's from the, these words are from the mouths of the doctors at the so-called number one ranked children's hospital in the country. It, 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 it was unbelievable. Yeah. You, you, I heard you, I watched you and then I watched the media cover it and they would literally say that it's misinformation or lies and I, and I would go, wait, I saw the video. I saw the doctor from Boston Children's literally admit that that's what they do. It was the most dishonest coverage of anything I've ever seen. They knew the, the, the clinic at, at Boston Children's was doing this, and they knew they admitted it on video, and they still wrote stories about you, about how you were lying about them. It, it must be so frustrating. The media is so in the tank on this issue. Yeah, this is going to be a long battle. It's it's like battling 50 different countries because there's 50 different states which all have their own regulations. In California, they just passed a law so that any kid from anywhere in the union can run away from home to California to get their breasts cut off or to get these puberty blocking drugs. And the state will take them into state care and not return them home if their parents aren't for this. It, it's so, incredible. It's incredible. I saw the father, the father from Texas whose daughter yeah. or son was stolen by his ex-wife and taken to California, and there's nothing he can do about it. His son might be might face surgery, puberty blockers, because that's what the mother wants, and he is helpless. He can't stop it. It is heartbreaking. And there's lots of stories about that, which generally don't get any coverage. And, and that's what you do so well. You, you shine the light. You bring the, bring the attention to this issue. And I have to admit, a few years ago, I thought, you know, obviously, I've, I've gotten in trouble myself for uh, taking on the trans mob. But until you listen to someone like you or Libs of TikTok or Matt Walsh or there's, there's a handful of you guys, you know, doing God's work out there, but you don't realize you say, until you stop and think about it. And that's what you do. You make people think about it. You say, wait a second, a kid's confused or a, a boy's playing with a doll. And the next thing you know, they're talking about puberty blockers and surgery on children, children who can't consent to a, a tattoo or can't have a beer or can't vote, but they can have their, 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 their breasts, their healthy breasts removed. It's just madness. I don't know how we got to this point, but thank God for people like you or uh, you know, standing in the breach and, and making people aware of it. Thanks, Jerry. It's, it's been quite an adventure and this is going to be going on for several more years, I'm sure, but we're winning because the truth spreads for free. And when parents find out what's going on, they're going to put a stop to this because there's nothing more insane than trying to change the sex of a child. Well, why did you get into it in the first place? I just, I learned about it and I have two girls myself. They're now almost 11 years old and I have a 13 year old. When they started, when I started this, they were eight and 10 years old, but they're coming into the age of puberty. And I see this as a cult that's permeated all aspects of our society. And we just can't allow this to go on. And when you learn all about this and you know everything that's going on and you know, this is affecting tens of thousands of children and it'll be hundreds of thousands if we don't put a stop to it. Well, I didn't want to look back at my life in 40 years and say, I knew all, all about this and I did nothing. So the best way I can spend my days is to try to create awareness to stop this. And if I only talk to 10 people and they can then protect their kids going forward proactively, well, that's a good day for me. So I'm happy.
I, even the brain dead Antifa people, they, they all repeat the same uh, uh, you know, claim. They say, would you rather have a live boy or live daughter or a dead kid or whatever, you know, that if you don't cut off the healthy breast of a girl or cut off the penis of a boy, uh, he's going to kill himself, uh, which is nonsense, obviously. But what's your response? You're going to hear that tomorrow. You know, you will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Heard this thousands of times. So it's true that suicidality is higher among these kids. Obviously, they're very distressed. These, all of these kids are struggling with some other mental health comorbidity. About half of these kids have autism. Suicidality, not suicide rates, but suicidality for kids with autism is even higher. It's higher for girls with anorexia. It's higher for kids with borderline personality disorders. But with no other condition in the world, do we just bow to a child's threat and give them whatever they want? We don't take an anorexic girl and say, okay, okay, you say you're going to kill yourself, fine. We'll give you liposuction. No, we try to help them with their mental health. And the facts of the matter are that there is no actual suicide epidemic. And if you look at the best studies we have, suicide rates peak seven to 10 years after transition, and they're about 19 times higher than their peers. That's in the adult population. We have no studies with kids because this is also new. There has never been a single study done. That's true. You can't claim that there's some long-term uh, look at this because it's, it's so new. But just use your common sense. You know, you, we, yes. we've heard from a number of uh, 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 detransitioners, Chloe Cole, perhaps the most prominent of them. And it's heartbreaking when you hear about them say that, yeah, they took me to a doctor and, and a half hour later, he was writing a prescription for puberty blockers. Why are these doctors, yeah. these medical institutions so determined to, to force this on kids? Why, what is so wrong about saying, let's wait? Let's give it some time. Let's see how it goes. They just don't want to do that. They want to force this insanity, this, this cult-like mentality on kids, and they want to do it now. They're so ideologically captured. It's just activists have captured all these higher institutions. I tweeted out a page from a medical school yesterday where the question was, so you've got a gender dysphoric child, and here are the options for treatment. You could try to get at the underlying condition. You could do some mental health therapy. You could do puberty blockers. What's the correct answer? Right away, the correct answer was puberty blockers. Yeah. First option. This is what they're now teaching to medical students. You don't try to help them with their mental health. You block their puberty. Based on what evidence? There is none. Sweden, Finland, England, now Florida, all through their medical boards, through a serious investigation of all of the evidence have concluded there is no evidence to support this. The risks outweigh the benefits and they've all stopped this. I, I, I heard you said before, Chris, sorry, I heard you yeah. say this before that it really opened my eyes. You said, if they allow them to go through puberty, things change in, in most cases, you know, they, they have to get them before puberty because puberty uh, you know, obviously your body changes. You're, you, you, you suddenly uh, maybe discover the, the joys of, you know, sex at some point. And uh, you don't necessarily think you would like to have your private parts lopped off. So they got to get them before puberty, which means you got to get them, you know, when they're nine or 10 years old, that's, in, that's just, that is barbaric, but, but that's seems to be what's going on. Yeah. All the studies we have into actual gender dysphoria and I, I make a discrepancy between actual gender dysphoria and what's going on today, because this is something totally different. This is a craze. This is a social contagion. But historically, kids with severe gender dysphoria from a very young age, 80 to 90% of them grew out of it. Most recent study we have, 88% of the boys 
this was a 20-year study that followed them from the age of five all the way into their 20s. 88% of them grew out of it. And the majority grew up to be gay, actually. But what's going on today is totally different. It's girls who never had gender dysphoria growing up. They get into adolescence. It's a tough time. Puberty is a tough time. Social media and all this stuff is crazy. And we're teaching these kids that there's such a thing as being born in the wrong body, which is a terribly abusive thing to say to a child. But these kids who are struggling, these misfits, they get instant love. They get bombarded with love. And they get made to feel special, whereas maybe they weren't fitting in before. Right. And they're told that, yeah, you just need to keep going to the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step to find your true self. We're carving up children's bodies and stopping their development. It's totally insane. This entire thing has to stop, and it will. We're going to stop. And then uh, I think the number was, and I know you're you're familiar with these stats, but what, the number of kids who uh, identify as transgender has gone up like 2,000% in the last six years. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's about right. You can go back a little further, and it's probably up 4,000%. Last year in the United States, officially, there were over 300,000 children diagnosed. That doesn't include the ones uh, below the age of 10, I believe it was. But that's 300,000 kids officially diagnosed for insurance purposes. My gosh, what does this mean to be transgender? No one can even answer the question. All it means is this girl might be a tomboy. Right. That's it. It's what they used to be. Yeah. So what's wrong with that? A girl who wants to climb trees and play in the dirt, throw around a football and be an engineer when she grows up is a 100% beautiful girl. There's nothing boyish about her. She's a girl. There are girls and boys and that's it. And we just have this crazy ideology, part of queer theory that's come out of academia where they're teaching children they have a gender identity that might differ from their sex. And we have all these kids now in their late teens and early 20s who have transitioned saying, what the heck did you do to me? Because the dating pool is reduced to zero. They're sterile. We're sterilizing right, kids. Right. We're sterilizing autistic kids. And we're ruining their lives. A lot of it is the fault of the parents too, isn't it? A lot of the time it is the fault of the parents for sure. But in many cases, these children are being indoctrinated on social media or in school. And schools are now hiding this from the parents. They'll change the name and pronouns of a kid at school. And it's the policy all across this nation. Depends where you are. But it's the policy to hide the child's identity change from the parents because they go on the assumption that the parents are automatically a threat to their own child, which is totally outrageous. Well, the one other thing you point, you make all the time, and it's such a good one. is just think of the madness of a parent and a doctor, the ultimate authority figures for a child, say a 10 year old sitting the child down and saying, I'm sorry, honey, but you were born in the wrong body. God made a mistake. Right. Think, think of how insane that is when the alternative is, you know, you are God's creature. We loved you. You love, I mean, this is, this is how you were meant to be. You, you tell a kid he or she was born in the wrong body and we can fix it. We just need a, some anesthesia and a scalpel and we'll fix it. That just on his face is just such insanity. Yeah. I say all the time, whether you believe in God or evolution, this makes no sense. If you believe in God, you're saying God made us wrong. If you believe in evolution, you're saying two billion or a billion years of the process of natural selection has failed. And for the first time in human history, a pharmaceutical company is here to help your child be who they really are. And then that they will require that pharmaceutical company and that doctor and that care for life after they life. after this 12 year old goes to pu- uh, blocks puberty or goes to surgery. They will need medical care forever. 
to, to maintain this, this, this insanity, but, uh, um, you are hoping to change things. You've changed things in, in some States and some cities and some clinics. Uh, if, if anyone has not seen the map, you have to see the map of gender clinics for children. I think it was 20 years ago compared to today. There's thousands of them just popping up because there's huge money in it. So these clinics are popping up everywhere and they don't make a lot of money if they say, you know, let's just wait, go home, wait, come back in a couple of years, see how it goes. They need to, they need you to get on drugs and go through surgery. But do you think you can actually change things in a place like Boston Children's Hospital? Not right now, but we're creating awareness and we are seeing things change. Other countries have changed. So right. People thought this would be a multi-year battle in England, for example, but it's completely changed. Florida's done away with this. Different states are trying to legislate this away. That'll end up being a fight in the courts in every single state, but at least we have the fight going on. But eventually, the American Academy of Pediatrics, through public pressure, will not be able to ignore this anymore, and they'll have to conduct a proper review of the evidence. And they'll have to try to find a way to save face, to say, oh, look, new evidence reveals that this isn't as great as we thought it was or whatever. They can try to save face if they want, but we're going to hold them accountable. But eventually this will end because you can't change the sex of a child. You can't change the sex of anyone. Right. But this is one of those things that we're going to look back at in decades and say, can you believe humans did that? Like we look at lobotomies today. Like we look at thalidomide given to pregnant women. Like we look at all sorts of things from the past that were done. This is just the latest human social contagion. It's a cultish craze and people just don't know what's going on. 90% well, you, of the population agrees with me. We just need to reach them because a lot don't know. It, it is so true. Once people get the information or hear the, hear both sides, hear the debate, hear from someone like you or someone like, you know, Chloe Cole or one of the detransitioners, it is powerful. And that's why you, what you're doing is so important and uh, it's it's so necessary. We need someone like you. And so I appreciate you being out there on the front lines, Chris. Uh, again, if people want to support you, can they show up at Boston Children's tomorrow at uh, 11? Absolutely. Or maybe come a little bit earlier. Yeah, for sure. Come on out or come out today to the Martin Luther King Jr. statue unveiling. I've got some other people coming out with me. I'm going to be standing just a little bit away. I don't want to completely uh, crash their party. But if Martin Luther King Jr. were alive today, he'd be standing with me holding a sign. And there the Democrats is, would be calling him the blackface of white supremacy because he's the there is, content of every character. There is no question about that. There is no question. I mean, let's be honest. Most people, if they hear, this, hear both sides, if they get all the facts, if they listen to you, if they hear the truth, they're going to say, this is madness. And it's about time we took a look at it, a closer look at it. And it's, and it's high time we banned it. But uh, that will be probably a, something for another day. But uh, you're doing great work. Billboard Chris, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. All right, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Good luck. Uh, that is Billboard Chris. If you're not following him, you can follow him on Twitter and see his uh, and, and see his story. If, you, if you'd like to, you can show up tomorrow at Boston Children's, show support for him. I believe Turtle Boy is going to be there tomorrow with Chris, and, uh, and he'll have some support, but uh, he'll be outnumbered as he usually is, and, but he's got balls, man. He is just fearless, and uh, he knows these people are uh, not rational. These are generally the people, the counter-protesters, are Antifa, you know, with their masks on, covering their faces and uh, 
and uh, screaming and yelling and they don't want to have a debate. But uh, if you go to Chris's uh, uh, Twitter feed, you can see some of the videos of him having conversations. He has these long conversations with people who are willing to talk and he has all the answers and he just makes a great case uh, against this, this science science against this cult. And uh, it's going to be interesting because some places there's more resistance than others. And Boston is the belly of the beast here. Uh, the idea that the, uh, one of the high, one of the best children's hospital in the world, that's such good work in so many places for so many kids, you know, down that hallway over there, they're cutting the breasts off of healthy young girls. And uh, it's about time someone called this to his attention. And then you will see the coverage tomorrow and Sunday in the, of course, in the Boston globe, which is, the trans mob's favorite media outlet. And you'll see it, uh, unfortunately, in the Herald and other places too, where they will flat out lie and say, A, that people like Chris and uh, and uh, libs of TikTok or, or Matt Walsh are uh, spreading misinformation, which is a lie. And they will blame them if there's any uh, bomb threats. They blame the bomb threats on Chris and, and, and libs of TikTok, even though there's no proof, no evidence at all. Uh, I know they busted a woman last time at Boston Children's, a woman from uh, Westfield. No proof that she's with them. She's with the anti-trans mob. None. They don't need proof. It's just they are 100% in support of this madness. And uh, truth be damned, facts be damned, they're going to come after Chris, which is why it's so important what he's doing. They're going to come after, uh, they've already come after uh, libs of TikTok, you know, New York Times, Washington Post. They, they're going to do their best to stop these people, which is why it is so important that uh, Chris just keeps showing up. He'll, he'll be easy to spot if you go there uh, because uh, um, he has a billboard. He has a sandwich board and he, and he's uh, well-dressed, well-spoken. He's a great spokesman for this cause. So go see him, support him. Uh, you, you know, you, you might, uh, you might see some of these, Antifa crazies screaming and yelling, but like he says, they're not really a threat. They're all talk. Uh, but uh, good luck to Chris tomorrow. All right, we got to get to our NFL picks uh, with Montante. What happened to Ironhead? Uh, let me see. Uh, we got we got six games this week. Let me get, let me do Shay, and then we'll get to our six NFL picks. We'll see if Ironhead can keep it going. Uh, we get games all weekend. I love this. We got a Monday night playoff game, Brady versus the Cowboys. That is going to be fascinating, but uh, let's do Shea and then we'll get to Montante. Well, it's the dead of winter, but that doesn't slow down Shea Concrete. They've got a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great values with designs that will fit your home. A new staircase will dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you a much better curb appeal. You'll be the talk of the town, the envy of the neighborhood. Shea will take care of all this. They remove the old stairs. You don't want to have to do that yourself. When they're done, you'll have a great looking new entrance that will add value to your home. Is not an expense. This is an investment in your home. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience. In a few hours, you get a brand new front entrance. Go to SheaConcrete.com to learn more. Also, you can go there and look for a job. Right now, Shea is hiring. They've got between 15 and 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people with all different types of skill sets. 
all you got to do is pass a drug test. Good morning. What where, where, where'd you go? Anyway, I'm in Lan- I'm in Lancaster. How do you get set up? You, not you, you not you, him. What do you mean? Where you know, I go? To. Anyway, what'd you do? Go, go, go get breakfast. Ironhead. What happened? Well, I don't want to just, I don't during an interview. Did I don't want to awkwardly uh, be sitting like this during an interview. Uh, you know? he's, he's getting cocky now. Montante. He got a, he, he called, he picked the game right last week. It was an, it was an amazing thing, but uh, three and one, he's red hot. Uh, how much hot. did, how much did you win the regular season title by you? I mean, I know I was at 500. I know Ironhead was like at uh, 32 in the, in the cellar. <laughs> yeah. I think I finished around 59%, which is not bad when you're picking games straight up. Did you make some money this regular season? Like I said, you have to remember when I'm, when I'm winning money, I'm also betting on the side late at night on things that nobody should be gambling on. So you break I even. I see on the last I night, last night I cleaned up good on the Celtics game. So. Things are going scrub, good temporarily. Didn't pick tip me off. Scrub to score 12 points or something. I saw that. Joe Harris, he's no scrub. He got 15. Oh, he did. He got 15, so you yeah, won? Yeah, he got, he got 15 on the nose. This is the kind of guy we're dealing with. He's betting on Joe Harris to score 12 points in a regular season game in January on a uh, on a Wednesday, uh, Thursday night. That's that's. I'd call that an illness. I don't want to cast any aspersions. Oh yeah, the, the doctors. The doctors would agree with you, probably. I don't know what it but says about me would. when I'm texting him furious that he didn't tip me off beforehand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I know because yeah. if you did, Ironhead would have put five bucks on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, five bucks would have got back two fifty, which is a nice payout. Mm-hmm. I had three things going. All three things hit. I'm getting texts from him at two a.m. saying he needs like one guy to score. It's like, Craig, don't you have a family and kids? Like, get get, get your life together. <laughs> it's me time. Yeah. That's me time. It's as simple. He's a simple man. He's up there, you know, trying to trying to make money. All right, let's get to the NFL playoffs. The first game sucks. Seattle at San Francisco. San Francisco at home, favored by ten. Brock Purdy hasn't lost yet. Does anyone think Seattle has a chance in this game? Montante, why don't you start? So if you were what to take Seattle, what you would argue with here is that they did other quarterback, you know, I had Geno Smith in New York a decade ago uh, versus Mr. Relevant Brock Purdy, the division rival. So these two teams know each other. That's what you'd say. If you like Seattle, I don't like Seattle. I don't like Seattle whatsoever. San Francisco's got the best defense in football. The offense is humming along. Christian McCaffrey, you know, the white hope uh, in the backfield. Uh, 10 points is a big number. It's a big number for a reason. I think they win by at least three touchdowns. I'm all over San Francisco, and I think they're going to make their push to make the Super Bowl this year. Uh, me too. I'm taking a Purdy and the Niners, who have the best defense in the entire field. Um, Ironhead? 10 points is a lot, so I'm going with Seattle. Excellent. Beautiful. Uh, beautiful. So not only not only that's the biggest number going is whatever Craig's on go against it, but the 49ers are 5-0 and against uh, against the spread the last five home games, and Seattle's 1-7 and against the spread the last eight overall. Plus Craig's on them. They got no shot. Excellent. We'll see. Uh, this, we will see. This game. All bets are off. You know, when the L.A. Chargers go to Jacksonville in January, you never know what you're going to get. Big game. Oh. Chargers are road favorites, I believe, one and a half. Jacksonville's won four in a row, and we don't know the status of uh, Joey Bosa or Mike Williams, who played in a meaningless um, regular season game and got hurt. Uh, that's not going to go over well if they lose this game and those guys are uh, – Half speed or out, we'll see. But uh, I don't know. I like Jacksonville. They're on a roll. I'm going with the uh, Jags. Montante? My heart's in Jacksonville. Uh, not literally, thank God, but um, I like the Jags. This is the closest thing you get to in a college atmosphere um, at that stadium they have. 
second youngest franchise, so it's kind of still a little bit new there. Um, that being said, I don't know if Bosa's playing, but it's just too easy to pick the Jacksonville right now. I'm going to take the better team on the road. I'm sure there'll be eight Chargers fans in their total, but Chargers are 4-0 against the spread last five. Chargers are 9-1 against the spread the last 10 matchups versus Jacksonville, whatever that means. I'll take the Chargers. I'll lay the two and a half, and I feel pretty good about it. Uh, I'm also going with the Chargers because I've been saying Thanks, it love. all year. Trevor Lawrence stinks and is overrated, and it, <laughs> it's, it's, you're going to see that this weekend. Oh, really? Uh, uh-oh. I'm taking all the friggin' home teams, aren't I? Uh, Miami at the Bills. This is the worst game of all. Miami sucks. Mm-hmm. Miami's lost five in a row. They made the playoffs by beating the Jets in a last-second field goal at home. Didn't score a touchdown. They made it 9-6, to six and they, how the hell did they win? I didn't even pay attention to this. How'd they get 11? There was a safety on the kickoff? Uh, no, on the on the final play, the Jets were doing the thing. We were doing laterals. By the way, the spread was three and a half. I had the Jets spread three and a half. And like the Jets do, what do they do? They go backwards, 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 lateral, lateral, lateral. Last play of the game ends in a safety. Cover the number. Jets lose 11-6. Fun game. That, 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 <laughs> I've never seen a more pathetic. I guess teams have backed into the playoffs before, but you lose five in a row, then you win that game at home, and that gets you into the playoffs. Obviously, they don't have Tua. They are the worst team in the field. Bills are favored by 11, which is 13 and a half. What do you got? 13 and a half. I got them at 13. As of last night. Yeah, I got them at 13 right now. Jesus. That's that's huge. I don't care. I'm I'm still going with the Bills. Uh, Josh Allen, two games this year against uh, Miami. He averaged 352 yards. He threw for seven TDs, zero picks. He owns the Dolphins. And you know what happens in these situations? The Dolphins give up. They give up. They say, you know, we're not going to win. We don't have a quarterback. We're on the road. That team is on some kind of magical mystery ride. They go. They give up. So I'm going to expect it to be a huge number. I'm going with the Bills. You? Well, so this is actually interesting. We have uh, the the foremost ex- expert on if players can be trying or not. Craig, will the the <laughs> will the Dolphins be trying this week? Yeah, they'll be trying, but it'll be they'll Good. be failing miserably. Good, good, good. So I got news for you. The Miami, yeah, they're the worst team in the playoffs. Uh, I'm right now. I'm in Lancaster. I can get a couple guys. We can put up a game against uh, against against Miami. I'm pretty sure of it. I'll take the 13 and a half points. They're six and one uh, against the spread. The last seven games against AFC players. I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they'll ever have a lead in this game. But they'll win. They'll cover. They'll cover against the spread. They'll win against the spread. So I'll close. You know, I'll hold my nose. I'll take uh, the Dolphins, and uh, I'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I'm also going with the Dolphins because Demar Hamlin uh, is he's slapping God in the face by taunting him with his trademarks. So uh, their juju is going to be thrown out the window. I'm going with the Dolphins. That is a good, solid uh, case for the Dolphins that Tamar Hamlin is slapping God in the face. So he's going with <laughs> good. Hey, it's, a, it's that, such a big spread. Ever in a playoff game where the team's favored by two touchdowns? And not many, are there? I'm I'd sure. be curious to see that. Though. I'd be curious to see what the spread was. Uh, remember when Marshawn Lynch had that run against uh, New Orleans? They actually ended yeah. up winning that game. I'd be curious to see what that number was. But I'm sure the Patriots none, none in the two, 2008 Patriots when they were undefeated. Or Giants at Minnesota. Minnesota's at home favored by two and a half. Uh, this is uh, the you know this is a pressure game for Kirk Cousins and he doesn't usually respond well in these big pressure games. I believe he's one and three in the playoffs. I'm going for the road team for once. I'm going with the Giants at Minnesota. What about you guys? I'll let Craig go here. I'll let Craig go ahead of me here. See how I feel. I'm going with the Vikings just because good. big Vikings Beautiful. guy makes, makes me feel Cousins. good. So. New York Talk Radio going into this year for both the Jets and Giants. We're pretty right in the Jets. Uh, wrong on the Giants. You know, they're 
projected to have five, six wins. Uh, it's completely changed now. People in New York are expecting a win here in Minnesota. I don't know why. I don't get the confidence behind it, but uh, it's kind of probably swayed me a little bit. So I'm going to take the three points here, um, and it's going to come down to Kirk Cousins versus Daniel Jones. Bizarrely enough, I, I feel more comfortable taking the points here with Daniel Jones. And Saquon Barkley's healthy, right, and playing, yeah. and they're going to run wild, but uh, we'll see. I'm not we really could be carted off on the first play, though. Baltimore at Cincinnati. We don't know. I don't believe we know if Lamar Jackson's playing. Lamar, Lamar said yesterday, he unless he's playing games, he said he, he's not playing this game. He ruled himself out. So no Lamar. So the Killer spread instinct. I have a six and a half. Is it still six and a half? No, it's not. It's nine and a half since this news no. came out. Oh my yep. God. That is a big number. Uh, Cincinnati has won eight in a row. Um. Their defense is playing well. I, I mean, they're on a roll. They feel like they got screwed because of the Demar Hamlin thing. Um, I'm going with that. Ah, what the hell? I'll stick. I'll stick with the Bengals. What are we playing? What are we saying? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Yeah, nine and a half. You're laying nine and a half here. All right. Let me. Let me hold up. Let me. You go ahead, Montati. I want to listen to what you have to say. So I this. have some. I have some Craig analysis here. The, the that dark purple is ingrained in my head is a good thing. So I'm. Um, being swayed by the colors here. It's, it's now, you never want to gamble like that, but I am. Um, but the numbers are, are going Cincinnati. 9-1-1 one, and one against the spread the last 11 games at home. But it's a divisional game. It, it seems too easy. I know the spread is huge, but uh, again, I'm going to hold my nose. I'm going to take uh, Tyler Huntley getting 9.5 points and pray for a miracle that a miracle cover. So I'm going to take the Ravens. Uh, You're going to take the Ravens? The Ravens plus 9.5. And and who's their quarterback? Huntley? Tyler Huntley, second-year kid from uh, Utah. Got it. Uh, Bengals, uh, Bengals are winning the Super Bowl, and they're winning this game by three touchdowns. I, I think I'm convinced. I think I'm going with the Ravens. Beautiful. Uh, I, I'm going to take the, the Bengals to win a, uh, a a close game. And this is the most interesting game of the weekend. Monday, we have to wait till Mon- Monday night for this one. Is this the first Monday night playoff game? I don't remember any Monday night. Got to be the first Monday night playoff game. Maybe the first ever primetime game on Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> Dallas at Tampa Bay. <laughs> Tampa Bay, the eight and nine bucks get to host the playoff game. Brady's first losing season, but he's back in the playoffs. And the only reason anyone's picking Tampa, they're saying, yeah, well, Tom Brady's got a little magic left in him. Uh, they're not exactly on a roll. They, uh, break, the Bucks have scored 23 points once in the last eight games. Uh, but all the pressures on Dallas, here's what, two, one of two things happens. Brady sucks and loses, and immediately all the talk on all the shows and ESPN the next morning is, retire. is he done? Is he going to retire? Yeah. Is he going to the TV booth? Or Brady wins and Mike McCarthy gets fired and Dak Prescott's, uh, you know, under the gun. Is he the, you know, is he the starter going forward? You know what happens when Dallas loses, there's so much drama. Um, It's great. It's good to see. Everywhere. So, so which way is it going to be? Montate. So usually in a Dallas game or a Tampa game, the line is going to be swayed because you have Dallas fans all over the country. I don't know why we all know Dallas fans. They're they're the worst of the worst. Then we also have people who, when the playoffs roll around, you're going to bet Tom Brady. So that number will be inflated. So I think that cancels out. So I think two and a half is a fair number. I, I've been watching a lot, a lot, a lot of you know, football this year with Tom Brady. He just looks old. I know it sounds silly to say people have been saying it for two decades. I'm going to take Micah Parsons getting after him. Cowboys figuring out enough on offense. I'm going to lay the two and a half, but anytime you're going going up against Tom in the playoffs, you can't feel comfortable about it. Two and a half. All right. Ironhead? Well, I need to see this. I don't know uh, when the last time Brady was given points in the playoffs. Was, was it last year when they lost? I don't 
versus, versus the Rams. Uh, I got, I, believe it or not, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> for, for lunch, Greg. Well, no, I mean, like, well, Tom Brady getting getting points in the playoffs is a story, but uh, until uh, he, you know, flames out, I'm going to have to take him just just until he proves me wrong. So I'm going to go with Tampa getting two and a half. Right. Uh, and I don't like now. I don't like it at all. I'm convinced now. I'm going down. You know, I'm going to I'm going to really. Deep uh, uh, analysis here. I'm going to go with the better team. I'm going to go with Dallas. <laughs> Easy, I'm fa- enough. I'm fading it's myself. It's one of those deals when teams know they don't have what it takes to go all the way. They kind of ask themselves, what's the point? At some point, I know that's a iron head analysis, but at some point they go, "Correct." what's the point? Let's not get hurt out here. And they give up. Not the whole thing. It's not like they just going to walk off the field. But mentally, there's a point where they say, we got no shot, and they give up. That's going to be Tampa. I'll go with the Cowboys. That means I took three road teams and three home teams. Good. That's a little it. Nice, nice, nice and balanced. So do you think if they lose, this is Tom's last game in Tampa, right? Definitely. I, uh, yes. And I think it might be long, the Tom's last game, period. All the Overall? speculation. No. You think, he can go out, you, you, think he can, you think he can go out with a loss? No. Well, he's going to have to. Everybody, almost everyone goes out with a loss. He'll be a, he'll be a Raider or a Dolphin next year. Yeah, the, the speculation will be wild for months about him going to Miami or going to uh, Vegas. But uh, he's as soon as he's done, he's going to make $30 million doing TV a year. Yeah. That's yeah, a pretty good gig. If you're still playing football at age 56, wherever the hell he is, you, you really must love the game. You must be a real sicko for it. He got divorced over it. So I, I don't think I don't psycho. think he's going to last to Tom Brady. What I would be interested to see, the Jets created his career, Mo Lewis, by killing Drew Bledsoe. What if uh, TB12 came to uh, my backyard and uh, won me Super Bowl in New York? <laughs> uh, I don't think it's likely, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I think if he plays, I think he'd like to go to Miami. He lives there. He wants to be. He's always, he loves Florida. I mean, what's not to love? Uh, but I think it's going to be tempting to just give it up and do TV and, and you know, live an unbelievable. You know what his life's going to be like when he retires? He's going to do TV once a week, make 30 million bucks, flying around on his private jet, you know, all kinds of girls. He'll be, he'll be with Botox. Paige Sparanak. He'll be with, he's probably already with Paige Sparanak or some other. Yeah, he's uh, got someone know. else. If Tom Shattuck's listening, he just threw up in his mouth. How about him calling her fat, huh? What an How about idiot. That? What a dummy. How about Tom what? Shattuck, what? Tom Shattuck built like, you know, he's built like made out of yogurt. He's calling Paige Sparanak fat. Fat? Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know where that comes from, but uh, that was my prediction. He's with some allegedly someone else who looked kind of like her, some other blonde beauty, but he's going to have some fun when he's done and uh, he's going to do TV and he'll, you know what? He'll be good at it. He'll be good at TV. He'll be, he'll be critical. He'll be a little off the wall. You watch, but we'll talk about that another day. Do you think Craig would be able to book him? You let him talk about like mineral water or whatever, or. <laughs> All right. We'll end on that wise. We'll end on that joke. Look is how fat she Yeah. That? Look, look how fat she is. Shattuck. You dummy. She's fat. Oh, she's, she's that's, that's, that's if I were Brady, that's who I'd be calling up. She plays golf. She's a really good golfer. I mean, think of the fun. you. Yeah. Have but you don't want to go golfing with your girlfriend and get smoked either. I don't know. Brady's a pretty good golfer, but uh, man, he's going to live quite the life when he's done with football. And uh, that may be Monday night, but we will see Montante. All right, gentlemen. Pleasure as always. Talk I'll, to I'll you. Wait, I'll wait on my Shea hat for the regular season, by the way. I got it right here. I got your Shea hat and your pound Beautiful. of uh, Callahan coffee. Can't wait. I got a prize for the postseason, a dozen eggs. Can you afford that? I'm, I'm saving up right now. I'm going to get a dozen eggs for the winner <laughs> of the year. Wow. 
the postseason pick'em contest, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right, we got to go. We got to go. Yeah. Thanks, Montante. Uh, thanks to everyone for watching and listening. Thanks to Billboard Chris for joining us. If you want to join him, he says he'll be in on the Boston Common today at the unveiling of the Martin Luther King statue, which is going to have all kinds of phonies and politicians and hangers on and hacks. They're all going to be glomming onto this, trying to get on camera. But uh, Chris, Billboard Chris will be there. And then tomorrow, 11 a.m., outside Boston Children's Hospital. He needs support. He's always outnumbered by the Antifa scum. But uh, not that he's afraid, not that he can't handle it. But if you want to show up and support Billboard Chris, he will be there. And he welcomes your support. What a ballsy guy. I mean, I just, I'm just so impressed with this guy out there doing God's work and taking on these haters and these, these, these just vermin. He's, he's great. He's great. But thanks to Chris for joining us. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show. Have an awesome weekend. We will talk to you again Monday morning. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify.